Alrighty. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulikil kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All right. And so, uh, looks like though we are already for more pain, torture, and agony um, through the process of my teaching. And so, <laughs> let's continue right where we left off. Uh, uh, toward the end of class, we we're looking at ayahs 29 and 30 in the lead up to, to uh, 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 the, the origin story. We also looked at the different uh, types of beings. So we spoke, said that Allah Ta'ala has created angels, uh, jinns, humans. And in that process, uh, and these are intelligent beings. And so we said angels are made from light, jinns are made from fire, humans are made from water and clay. Read that literally or metaphorically that uh, you'll find all kinds of speculation. And then we also said that angels have uh, lack of free will. They have self-consciousness. They have the ability to choose things, to, to decide on things, but they do not have the ability to disobey Allah. That is their lack of free will. Humans and jinns have the ability to disobey Allah. And one difference is that jinns, uh, if they pursue a path of righteousness, it is hard for them, to, it's like inertia, it's hard for them to turn bad. When, when humans take a path of righteousness, it's easy to turn bad. Nevertheless, the default of creation overall, the default of creation overall is towards goodness. And then humans and jinns will be held to account on the day of judgment. And so another way to think about it, even philosophically, is that good uh, doesn't really apply to angels. That angels, by default, only they can only obey Allah, they cannot disobey Allah. And so good and bad doesn't even apply. Naturally, we would say that they are good. Okay. <laughs> and then when we looked at Ayah 29 and 30, we said in Ayah 29... The world has been created for us. And then in Ayah 30, we have been given the charge of being the Khalifa of Allah on this world. And we're going to look at the different definitions of the word Khalifa shortly. But let's take a first look at the ayats. And to also recap, uh, for uh, which would be in your notes from yesterday, in, in yesterday's lecture, that in this, what's wrong? I'm not sure. In uh, this section, Ayahs 30-39, we have three parts. Uh, the first part is Ayah 30-33. to 30 to 33. And in Ayahs 30-33, we have... Uh, uh, we have the... Uh, uh, the announcement, 34 is, is the sajda, and 35 through 39 is the tree and the, the, conclusory, the concluding advice. So, ayah 30. Oh, another point we were looking at recently is of the different ways that Allah Ta'ala speaks to us in the Quran. We said that one is by way of attributes. Here's the attributes of Allah. Here's the attributes of people of taqwa, so forth and so on. Another way was, was metaphors and similes. Another way was ambiguities, like alif, lam, mim, where things are just completely ambiguous. Uh, 
Uh, another way is commands. And here we have histories. And often, how do you know uh, when you have a historical passage? Because usually it begins with what if. Literal translation and when. The meaning in the translation is recall this event from history and take a lesson from it. Even if you were not present. So, and when your Rabb said to the angels, Indeed, I am making or I'm going to place in the earth a Khalifa. Yeah, that's one of the big words for today. Okay. They said, Are you going to make or place in it, in the earth, one who is going to spread corruption in it and will shed blood? And we do we do subhanallah to you. We praise you, glorify you, and we, we express our appreciation and our thanks. And so we're also sanctifying you. We're, we're appreciating your, your purity, your sacredness. And then Allah Ta'ala says, indeed, I know what you do not know. Okay. So what are the parts of what's going on here? Remember we said that in terms of history, we look at the events, we look at the characters in terms of what's going on. So what are the characters? We have Allah, we have these angels so far. And what is Allah Ta'ala saying? I'm creating a Khalifa. So let's take a moment and try to define what we mean by Khalifa. So this is one of those words that everyone is often too scared to mention. Um, post 9-11, suddenly we stopped using this word. We, stopped, we started using gentle interpretations of this word. And so, oops. so this word Khalifa, Literally, what does it mean? So the linguistic definition is one who is left behind. One who comes later. Khalaf is one who is coming later. In contrast to the Salaf, so we have people that we call Salafis and such who purport to try to follow the way of the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Not really that simple. But those are the ones who are the predecessors and then the Khalaf would be the one who are the ones who come later. Like successors. What is the most common definition uh, in our community? The head of an Islamic polity. Okay. Right, that's how we commonly understand the term Khalifa. Okay. 
So <laughs> we're going to do a number of things here. Uh, somewhat high, somewhat high speed, so high speed that you're going to find them to be kind of dizzying. We're going to do a super high speed view of the history of humanity through this Muslim lens. So let's do the timeline right here. Uh, Sammy is asking about polity, meaning what exactly? So I'm using a very, very generic term. So it could mean a government. It could mean a society. So something along those lines, a polis. Okay. So as I write this, uh, so as you all know, this is the year 2020 of our calendar. When did uh, the world start using our calendar? When did we start using this 2020 calendar? How long ago? Any guesses? Uh, probably about 500 years ago, not even. Yeah, 1500s. Nice, nice job, Sammy. Okay, and so this is essentially 2020, or if you want to get technical, 1441. So phase one, is the prophet Adam, peace be upon him, to the prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah. So that's the period of the prophets. Okay. Now, a point to think about is that in most of the cases, the prophets were rejected by their people. So these are often, in terms of the process of history, these people were the anomalies of their eras. So a lot of times people say Abrahamic tradition comes later on or monotheism comes later on. Uh, in terms of large population, yes. But we're saying it's always been present. There just may not be too many people who are following it. Okay. And so now, after the prophet, peace be upon him, so, so basically we're saying 610 to 632 of the 2020 calendar, of our modern calendar. He dies. And so this is not going to be drawn to scale, as you can probably figure out by now. And then we have what we call the rightly guided khalifas, at least in, in terms of Sunni thought. Uh, what years does this go on for? Till about 661. And then we have the Umayyad Empire. Write that more clearly. Six sixty one to about seven fifty, and they get overthrown by the Abbasid. So the Umawi Empire and the Abbasi Empire, which goes from about 750 to about 1258. And then we start the burgeoning of Spain. So about 750 till 1492. Super simplified here. 
ultra simplified because uh, there's all kind of kind of, of small city states and such. And then from about uh, then we have the Buyid or the Buwayid Empire from about 950 to 1050. Notice that we're seeing overlap in a number of these things. And then we also, in this period, we have the rise of the Fatimid Empire. So why do we have multiple empires? Uh, where's the prophet's capital? Medina, peace be upon him. Where's the capital under Abu Bakr? Medina. Under Omar? Medina. Under Uthman? Medina. Under Ali? Where's the capital? Kufa. It gets moved to Kufa. Under the Umayyads, the capital gets moved to Damascus. Under the Abbasids, they take this old Roman city called Tesiphon and rename it Baghdad. Okay. And then uh, the capital of Umayyad too moves into a number of different places. Right? So if you know Grenada, Grenada is, is one of the centers there. And the Buyid or the Buwayid Empire, their capital is also Baghdad, meaning it's a government running a government. And then the Fatimids are based in Cairo. Actually, they're based in Fustat, which eventually becomes Al-Qahira. Okay, and then we see the rise of the Crusades. 1090 for the next few hundred years and so the crusades are arriving target is jerusalem and then a little bit at the same time uh actually they may have uh, i think you are correct uh, that they started out in halab and then eventually went to al-qahira yeah and Ahantia, this is the Gregorian era. Okay. And so then we also have the arrival of the Mongols. So in this period of time, even though I know it's 1492 is over here. Uh, <coughs> You have the Crusades coming in from one end, you have the Mongols coming in from another end. And literally, people thought this was Yajuj and Majuj. I mean, they thought it was the end of the world, they thought it was the end of Islam. Meanwhile, Spain is doing pretty well. And then things branch off, and we have uh, the rise of the Seljuks, Seljuk Empire, which then all you Ertigral fans get overtaken by the Ottoman Empire. Ottomans are about 1331, 1351, depending on who you ask. And then move forward to the 1500s. You have the Mughals, starting from Afghanistan and then stretching into much of the top half of, of India. There are already many small kingdoms 
there were either Muslim kingdoms, Hindu kingdoms, Rajput kingdoms, etc., etc. And then, of course, we have this long period. Yeah, and also there, there, the the Zangas, the Ayyubids, and stuff. I'm doing like the, the 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 big ones. And then we have this period of colonization. Colonization. Which dominates just about every empire in the world, every Muslim empire in the world, except for Muslims in Sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, Malahat is asking, was Urtugrel Muslim? I don't know, I never watched the show, I'm assuming he was. I've gotten a bunch of people, you know, to, to drink from the cocaine of Urtugrel, but I myself have not, I'm more of a dealer rather than the consumer. Okay. <clears throat> No spoilers, please. They all died at the end. Okay. I mean, this whole thing that I'm drawing here is a big spoiler, right? And so colonization officially starts to end around 1945. In India, we have 1857, which is when official colonization begins in the subcontinent, although, although unofficial colonization was there for a couple hundred years. And then we have essentially this whole period is the modern era. Okay. Postmodern era and such. But a point I want you to think about is that for almost the entirety of our history, Muslim empires were among the superpowers of the world. Because uh, usually, what does a common person know about Muslim history? Usually it's the life of the Prophet, peace be upon him, a couple of details from, from the, the Khalifas, and maybe a few figures in, in Muslim history, you know, as though it's all dark ages, you know, until Muhammad Ali becomes heavyweight champion of the world, right? Now, <clears throat> naturally, there's periods where uh, we're being dominated. I mean, another big empire that I left out, as most people know, Salahuddin, absolutely. One big, really important empire that I left out, which is sort of this era right here, sorry for the red, is the Mamluks also based in Cairo, and they are the ones who also fought off the Crusaders as well as Mongols uh, and such. So there's many, many more. I'm giving you some big ones here. And then <clears throat> the ones that are identified as, as Khilafas from the Sunni lens are the Umayyads, the Abbasids, the Ottomans. There are others that also claim this title. These are looked at as the big ones. And so the Ottomans began around what we said like 1350. So if you think of it, it's going almost continuously. And when did the Ottomans end? 1924. Some say 1923. Yeah. In fact, we just missed the anniversary. I think it was last month. And so, so the sentiment, so there's dismantled right after World War I. The sentiment is that the caliphate as a Muslim identifying polity continued almost nonstop until just a little bit less than 100 years ago. And so that end of the Ottomans was considered to be among the, 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 the few, uh, many, uh, um, uh, the, the, 
considered to be sort of like the, the end, a type of end of Islam. And then we see the establishment of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Uh, a little bit later after that, we see the establishment of the state of Pakistan. And then move forward, we have the establishment of Iran, so on and so on. Now, there have been other people throughout this period who claim to be Khalifa. And there have been other people who also claim to be the Mahdi, the savior of the world. Uh, but these are often considered to be the big caliphates, the Umayyads, the Abbasids, and the Ottomans. Whereas other titles are used for the Mughals, the Sultanate, okay, Sultans, and such. Or we might use terms like Imara, the Emirates, and such. Okay. Now, so that is the most common definition of, of, of the Khalifa. The head of an Islamic polity. Okay. Now, this term is also used a number of different ways. So let's see how to make this interesting. Let's make a hexagon. Let's see if that's an option here. And no, of course not. Okay, so uh, not even a triangle. All right, so let's see. Let's see if I can do a really good hexagon. Oh, mashallah, so far so good. Okay, even better. Oh. Okay, so thank you for your applause. I appreciate it very much. It was an honor just to be nominated. Okay, so so think of each of these as a particular type of Muslim group. And if you are in a Muslim community, uh, mixed in with the whole population, whether we're speaking of Cairo again, Timbuktu, Hyderabad, Karachi, etc. You know, you will find mixtures of all these different groups. And here my focus is especially on America. Yeah. Um, and so some of your questions are, are really good and then we'll try to get to those uh, at the end, inshallah. You'll also notice that I muted everyone. I received some complaints from, from students saying people are interrupting and it's kind of changing, affecting people's thought processes. So I'll also open up the microphone when we get to Q&A, inshallah. In fact, I'm gonna look at the clock. Got it, okay. So uh, you're welcome to disagree with this. And so I'm suggesting uh, these are the most common approaches to Islam in mass you will find in our community, okay? So focus on fiqh. That's a very, very common approach. And you're gonna think, well, aren't they all the same? Aren't they overlapping? And I'm saying, what is the primary flashlight? Another is a focus on sunnah. In fact, let's just change law here. So fiqh being the understanding of law, the interpretation of sharia. Another is the Sufis. What's often forgotten is that much of the history of Islam originally is the arrival of Sahabas. There's Muhammad bin Qasim that everybody remembers from the subcontinent of the 700s. Prior to him, another companion who arrived in South India. And then a lot of the development of Islam was actually Sufis long before the period of colonization. Uh, another is, is Kalam with the Kalimun.
which is theology as well as philosophy. I mean, what is essentially Islamic philosophy? It's, it's, it is a type of theology. Another is the justice movement. And I'm gonna suggest overall, the most common approach to Islam in American Islam is Islamic identity, yeah. especially for the past 30 years. And so what I'm asserting, and you're welcome to disagree, is that the formation of many of the Islamic centers across America, the primary concern was actually identity preservation. But that's that, that, uh, uh, not whether or not that point is correct, this is still a very, very big thing. Okay. Now, what am I saying here? <laughs> this is not giving you a summary of Islam. This is what the different pockets of Muslims will focus on uh, 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 the most. So this group of people, primary concern is, are my actions haram or halal? Okay. Can I eat this food? Is it haram or halal? Can I buy this house on a mortgage, haram or halal? You know, all that, those types of questions. Those people, uh, uh, and so some of your questions, Sharia and, and Quran, I'm saying those are, 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 are not as high on, on, on the list in terms of the practice of Muslims. Okay, so, so here, these are the people who are focused on being like the Prophet, peace be upon him. So an example of this would be the Jamaat al-Tabliq. And the Salafis would also be in this. Okay, I'm not saying they are, these different groups are successful, but this is their focus. How are the Salafis? They're people of Hadith, Ahl al-Hadith. And then we have the Sufis, okay, whose goal is to get closer to Allah. And, and often at the center of the Sufi outlook is community, plus some sort of teacher leader figure. Okay. And we would often use the term spirituality. Now, often the spiritual leader is trying to connect you to the prophet, peace be upon him. Or in other Sufi communities, the focus will be on giving, like the analogy of, who is it? Khaja Moinuddin Chisti is to give like the rain. So, to give and give and give. But what my students like is when I start going through the restaurants on Devon Avenue in Chicago and pointing out how each one is connected to a Sufi school back home, the Sabi order, you know, Khadid Nawaz, so forth and so on. Okay. Uh, Bandis would fall under fiqh. Okay, the Kalam Mutakalimun would be a number of different, completely very, very different groups. So what is theology here? It's focused on okay, uh, the creed aspect of Islam. What is authentic belief? That if you believe la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, what else do you have to believe? Okay. So, so, so this is including the work that Muhammad Iqbal talks about. Okay. I'm putting them here. And even though this is a 100% different group, this is also where you find ISIS. How? For ISIS, shirk 
and sin are the same thing. Remember way back a couple classes ago, um, it might have just been a week ago, um, when I asked, is lying a sin or is lying shirk? And I said, look at how lying looks just like shirk. You're saying that the person you're lying to is just as important to you as Allah. Therefore, isn't that shirk? We said, no, it's a sin. In the ISIS category, which lives in the realm of theology, sin is equal to getting yourself kicked out of Islam. It means you're no longer a Muslim. That's in the realm of theology. And the justice movement, when does the justice movement really start rising? Uh, at the same time, the Sufis started focusing much more on their personal connection to Allah. And then filling that void was the justice movement. And so here we have a number of different groups. So this is where you'd have, for example, the Muslim Brotherhood. In Pakistan, you have Jamaat Islami, and then offshoots, including Tanzim Islam, which, which a couple of us were part of. And at a secular perspective, this is the contemporary Muslim social justice warrior. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the Bernie bros, Sipai Sahaba, uh, they're not even on this map. Those are, those are a bunch of wild radicals. Yeah. Um, and so, so here uh, is where we'd find the justice movement. This is also where you would also find, if not in theology, you would also very often find academic Islam. Because the language there is often uh, one of, of uh, what's the word, uh, you know, uh, equality and justice as such. Uh, the Nation of Islam would also be here too, yes. Yeah. Uh, Al-Maghrib, those guys are basically Salafis. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is progressive overlapping with the justice scheme? Uh, what we're, in fact, progressive Islam is a better term for what I'm calling academic Islam. Awadage is ISIS. Okay. All right. <clears throat> but what is the point of all this? The point is that these different groups define Khilafa and Khalifa uh, with some differences. Okay. So even though much of the fiqh Islamic law in our communities doesn't talk as much about governance, they would speak of Khilafa as the Muslim government, the polity, the head of a Muslim empire, or the head of a Muslim government. In the realm of the Sufis, it would be the person who's been appointed as a successor of many Sufi sheikhs. This is one of the titles that will be used. Okay. So very, very different title. So for example, if in Chicago, you go to, uh, you know, uh, old, old friend of mine, Marshal Sheikh Hussein Sattar, okay. there'll be people who are appointed as Khalifas. Okay. Here, the philosophers are raising the question, okay, well, what would be, what would be a khilafah in the modern and the postmodern realm? Yeah. You know, as the transformation of society is taking place, the definition is taking place. ISIS is claiming to be a khalifa. Muhammad yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was speaking about Sheikh Hussein Sattar. Yeah. Okay. And the justice movement, the argument up here is the need for the return. 
So what we're saying is these people are also our contemporary activists. We don't see as much of the language of Khilafah here, although in progressive Islam, it's a word that I used yesterday, but very briefly, sort of like caretakers of the world. And then in terms of identity Islam, often people are allergic to it because that gets into you know, Islam and power and politics and stuff like that. People get very, very afraid. And so what is the point to take from this? This is a big, big term um, that different people use in, in, in uh, different ways. Nevertheless, the most common term is this one right here. Now, in terms of this announcement that Allah Ta'ala made, that's his 2.30. There are a couple common interpretations here about the Khalifa that Allah Ta'ala is raising. One understanding is that it's speaking specifically of Adam, peace be upon him. Another common understanding is that it is speaking to about Muhammad, peace be upon him. That the establishment of Adam salam is starting the process of setting up Muhammad, peace be upon him. And another seems to be, if we go through the commentaries, the obligation of humanity. I often use the word deputy. Again, more for convenience. Okay, any questions so far? Hopefully this is not too complicated. I mean, that was, that was super high speed, but I talked about, you know, um, that almost for the entirety of our history, Muslims have not only been in power, but uh, superpowers. And then this is just, you know, where you would find people oriented uh, the most. Is one of these correct? Only Allah has the answer to that one. Uh, this could also be, you know, the way we have love languages. These could be Islam languages of people. Okay. All right. So let's go back to the ayah. Because <laughs> we raise the next question. And can you see the ayahs? Nod your head if you see them. Yeah. Okay, good. So Allah Ta'ala says, you know, uh, I'm going to make a khalifa in the world. They said, are you going to create someone who's going to cause corruption and shed blood? The next question is, why are the angels saying this? Yeah. A number of theories. One theory is that they've already seen things happen in the world. And so one theory, uh, so I mentioned some names of, of, of Iblis, some previous names of Iblis, and, and one was Hakam, was the title that he was given. Because one narrative outside of the Quran, yeah, and I don't know if it's in the Hadith sources or the Israeliyat sources, is that there was this massive war among the jinns, and he established peace among these, these, these tribes of jinns. And... You, I mean, you know, do you think like jinns tell human stories? 
Anyways, that's beside the point. Okay, so so this this massive war among the jinns, and he establishes peace, and so then he gets this this title, this honor, Hakam. Okay, and and so that's one theory. Another theory is that they've already seen animals, okay. you know, fighting, eating each other, and such. Another theory is that they've already been given insight about the nature of humans. Another theory is that they are looking at the composition of things, that they are light, and the world that Allah Ta'ala is creating, oh, we're about to crash. Hold on. That the world that Allah Ta'ala is creating is made out of this matter thing, and the nature of light is synthesis, and the nature of matter is collision and friction. The theory that I like the best, but this is just purely my own personal opinion, is that in their understanding, they can't imagine anything other themselves in the role of being Allah's Khalifa. Because they're already God's robots, right? They already do everything. They already run everything. And if Allah were to create another creation, they're taking it to its logical conclusion. It won't be something that makes things. It'll be something that destroys. They, can, they don't understand the possibility of a creation of another thing. Yeah. Choose, your, choose your opinion, uh, uh, whichever one seems to make the most sense. Um, and so they ask this question, and they say, you know, why would you pick anyone other than us? All we do is praise you and glorify you. Yeah. Meaning just thinking purely rationally. And then Allah Ta'ala says, I know what you do not know. Then we get to the next ayah. And a point about histories in the Quran. Uh, when you're coming from outside the Quran, you feel like you're not being given any information. Like, for example, if you read through the histories in the Bible, especially in the first five books, it's long, long, detailed stories. Here's the story of, of, of Adam, peace be upon him. Here's the story of Noah. Here's the story of Abraham, peace be upon him. And then especially the population of Moses, peace be upon him, and his followers. It's books and books of, of the Bible, all kinds of details. Yet here, Allah Ta'ala makes an announcement and then jump forward. Okay. He taught the Adam all the names of, of things. We don't know anything about how Adam was created, peace be upon him. Okay. He taught Adam the names, and then he showed them to the angels and says, inform me of the names of these things if you are truthful. Different theories of what the names are. The most common theory is that it's just literally the names of everything, as though this is a type of foundation of knowledge. Yeah. Allah knows best. And a, another theory, which is pretty cool, is that these are the names of the attributes of Allah. But I don't know how that fits in terms of showing these things unless Allah Ta'ala is showing a manifestation of those attributes. But then he goes to the angels and says, informing the names of these things, if you're truthful, if you're truthful about what? That you have doubts about this Khalifa or you have doubts about someone other than you being the Khalifa. Uh, home means persons. Um, home means plural. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean persons. Okay. So that uh, Adam salam is then saying, or is being told, okay, give me, the, uh, give me the names of all these things. To the, or I'm sorry, the angels are being told, give me the names of all these things. And then they praise him. Why do they praise Allah? Because that's what they said they do. Subhanaka, 
La ilma lana. We have no knowledge except for what you have taught us. So what has now happened? Adam has been given knowledge that they have not been given. So remember, we said that the superiority, why humans are considered to be superior over angels, was intellect. And there I framed it more as capacity of intellect. Here in this passage, we'd see it as Adam has knowledge that they do not have. Indeed, you are the all-knowing, the wise. And then he says to Adam, okay, you give me, you inform them of the names of these things. And then he did. Now, what's taking place? The angels are acknowledging that they have limits that Allah Ta'ala has surpassed for someone else. Think of the parallel of the beginning of the surah when we said about Alif Lam Mim. With Alif Lam Mim, I'm acknowledging that there's knowledge that is beyond my knowledge. Here, they're acknowledging that there's knowledge beyond our knowledge. And that that knowledge may be given to someone else. And then Allah Ta'ala says, did I not tell you that I know the secrets of the heavens and the earth? I know what you reveal and what you conceal. Now, in terms of drama, this is probably the least interesting part of the, of the whole story. But what has taken place, Allah Ta'ala has made an announcement, and then he showed Adam alayhi salam is more qualified to fulfill this role than the angels are so far. Uh, having said that, any questions? We'll open the floor. I will open up. If I can figure out how to open up the microphones, I'll open up the microphones, but I will try to... Um, um, do the chat box. Actually, I have to do it here. Sorry, I don't know how to open up the microphones. And so um, let me just at least turn off the screen share. Stop share. So I can see all of your wonderful faces, inshallah. Okay. Uh, angels have the ability to conceal. Really good question. And so if we think of angels uh, potentially having hearts, what are they potentially concealing that in their understanding they should have been the Khalifa? That's one way it's commonly understood. Yeah. Uh, but another way we can read it is that they have thoughts. Abdullah Mirza, what sort of knowledge is it? The angels can still see the same things we can, right? They still understand things, right? Uh, do they still understand things? Yes. Do they see the same things we can? Perhaps. Okay. So let me give you another one of these wonderful happy drawings. Get a sense of angels. First, the fun part. Yeah. Imagine you're in the middle of a desert and you have a little tiny ring in the middle of the desert. Okay. And so <clears throat> if we imagine this little tiny ring being the universe or all of the universes, then imagine, so this is ring, That's a ring, like wearing a finger. And then all the rest of this, this whole screen is the desert. Then imagine the ring to be the universe and the desert to be a common angel in its normal form. If we could try to get a sense of size, but again, we're speaking of something outside the realm of size. Okay, so far so good. Now imagine that angel is the ring and the desert is a major angel yeah. and so here 
would be a major angel like Jibreel Mikael and now imagine that ring is a major angel and then the desert is the throne of Allah so try to even comprehend size okay so that's one way to think of, of angels another way uh, a common hierarchical structure is we have Allah and then we have, you know, for lack of a better term, the superior council. This is the, the realm of the higher angels. And then we have a lower council. This is the realm of the lower angels plus prophets. Peace be upon them. Okay. So what are we saying? How do things come down? Allah Ta'ala is, and this is trying to comprehend it in terms of whatever way we can. Uh, Allah Ta'ala is revealing something to the higher council. He's revealing his qadar to the higher council, his decree. And the higher council is figuring out how to make it happen. And then they send it to the lower council. And, and so Allah Ta'ala reveals the entirety of the Quran here. Okay. And then it gets delivered piece by piece over the course of the earth, 23 years. I'm just giving you two levels here. There are some angels whose only job is to do such that to Allah, there's some angels whose job is to also, you know, be the caretakers of the, of, of the heavens, the earth, the earth, uh, hell, all those things. And so Jibreel would be one of those who goes like this. But then remember in the night journey, there's only so far he could go. He could not surpass uh, a certain level that the prophet, peace be upon him, on the night journey was able to go to. Okay. So back to the questions. Uh, wouldn't the prophet be the higher than the superior council? He went to a level that was very high. Uh, but you know, Allah knows best is all the unseen. If angels are robots, then when they heard the command, they should have just done sajda. We haven't talked about the sajda yet. That will be coming, inshallah. Uh, 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 so, is so the essential basis for khilafa is knowledge? Wonderful question. Um, in those different schools of thinking, you'll get different answers. But the overall answer is that the essential basis for everything is is knowledge. Meaning, in ISIS, it's not knowledge; it's power. Reading subjectively, uh, Abu Hassan's really going with the subjectivity thing. Are there personal development takeaways from these verses, or is it simply a history? One point to think about is that is what you have inherited from history. Yeah. And that is your obligation to continue. And a way to think about this is that's what was handed down to you. What are you handing down to the next generation? Now, most people think of these Muslim empires, especially Mughals, were ruthless and spread Islam via the sword. Now, it was not how it was supposed to spread. What do you say about this? Uh, that Islam was spread in every single different way. Some of it was spread by a sword, some of it was spread by preaching, some of it was spread by other people being inspired, yes. Uh, so literally all the different ways you can think of. Uh, positive, negative, uh, gentle, uh, brutal, everything. Um, <clears throat> when the angel said, would you make someone a Khalifa who would shed blood and cause corruption? Allah did not deny this category. Very good point. Does it lead to an understanding that we would never be able to figure out why there's misery in the world? That I think we've sort of already answered uh, at the beginning of, of the whole course. 
uh, uh, let's see, most people, okay, we did that. Tanvir, uh, uh, I'm not understanding the point where you're saying home means persons, because home is, is a very common pronoun. So the, uh, you might be sharing something very, very advanced, if you could expand on that. If not now, later, inshallah. Malahat, so the justice realm is basically Sufi community delving into more of a political aspect of Islam. What I'm saying is that the Sufis used to also be the social activists for, for major parts of Islamic history. And in the colonial era, they shifted to the way we commonly think of them in terms of focus on tazkia of, of the nafs, leaving a void in, in society, in Muslim society, which is where the activist group wrote, groups rose. Uh, what is the need for return? Uh, remind me uh, uh, later where we were speaking about that. Khawarij, progressive, liberation. I think we've talked about all these. Uh, ah, Lutfi, is there any theological reason none of the modern states like Pakistan and King of Saudi Arabia have claimed the title of Khilafah? That's a really, really good reason. And it seems that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia does not claim of itself to actually be an Islamic polity. It's easier to understand. I mean, they absolutely do look at the flag and look at how they present themselves, uh, but they're more of a monarchy with a state religion. Uh, Pakistan frames itself more as an imara. Uh, you do have some other states, like in Somalia and stuff, that are making various claims and such. Uh, when the Taliban were establishing themselves, they chose the term imara. They said they're not yet at the level of khilafah. Uh, Omar al-Hadra, remind me when you asked about colonization. Musab, uh, the Fatimids count as an Islamic empire because they had a lot of heretic policies. That's, I mean, that's a point that can be argued about all these very, very different groups, um, these different empires, especially different periods in their time. Like, I didn't talk about, you know, when, when Sunni and Shia Islam and all those things uh, uh, grow. So did the Ottoman Empire, Omar al-Hadra, did the Ottoman Empire end because of colonization? We'd say it's related to that uh, in the sense that the British were instrumental, but also the, the Ottomans were also instrumental in their own decline. So one point that is often made is that the Muslims were colonized because we were colonizable. So imagine you have a burglar coming to your door and your mansion, and then they discover that the door is unlocked and all the lights are on and the jewelry is all out and the owner of the house is asleep in the bathtub and that's a way big parts of uh, of the decline of many of our empires as well as other other empires in history seem to be in in terms of of, of their decline so we're officially dismantled with the help of the british sultan abdul hamid uh, was was the last one and he was given safe passage to england and you said Islam can spread every which way, but should we have a moral obligation to say Islam spread in the negative method is wrong? Sure, uh, uh, absolutely. I mean, we should definitely call out wrong no matter who is, is doing it. Uh, but keep in mind, if something is spreading by way of battle, it's harder to argue that's morally wrong. If part of that battle is exploitation of the populations, then we'd say, yeah, we don't really support it. But war is also one of the bitter realities of the world. You know, I mean, another way to think about this is people who want to attack the Mughals, you can argue that they didn't really push forced conversion. Um, and they definitely did not do what the BJP is doing today. I mean, actually, no, they probably did, but um, that's a different point. If the Muslims do not have the capability necessary of understanding the current, current state, perhaps should they even strive in Islamic state? That's a whole conversation on its own. The common criticism is that Muslims are talking about an Islamic state that don't even know how to run a masjid, but those would also be two different populations. Uh, uh, 
but another way to frame it, why do people talk about the polity? Uh, the argument, uh, an easy way to frame this argument is if we speak of, uh, in American politics, old school conservatism versus old school liberalism. Old school conservatism says that you should have a very small government, smallest possible government. If anything, the main focus is on the court system. And then people have a high level of responsibility. And then old school liberalism is saying that, okay, no, there are things that at the individual level cannot be uh, accomplished. It has to be done by the state. And so think of those aspects of the Quran, for example, crime or punishment, or for example, you know, the obligations we have to our neighbors. Um, is that something that an individual can accomplish? Or does it require a, harder, a higher structure to fulfill obligations in the text? That's why we get into those conversations. So it's, I would caution against ruling it out. I mean, if we can talk about American politics, we can talk about any type of politics. I don't know if this is relevant, but the person I knew had an aunt, this person, one person I knew had an aunt who kept saying the guests are here 30 minutes before she passed. Oh, interesting. Uh, so she is about to die. And then she says the guests are here. Hopefully they're angels, inshallah. Any other questions about anything, anything at all? Does the Medina Charter constitute a Khalifa? That's a fun discussion. Some people will say yes, some people will say no. Those people who say yes will say, look, you have a constitution uh, using modern terms imposed upon pre-modern. Those who say no will say that the prophet, peace be upon him, had to conduct a treaty with people so how would that be a government? Yeah. And, and, and so some will say that the actual Khilafah uh, is beginning at the, uh, after the uh, Treaty of Hudaybiyah uh, when, uh, when they started sending letters to, to other leaders. Now it's a letter from Muhammad, Messenger of God, peace be upon him, to Pharaoh or to, to um, the head of uh, Persia, I forgot his name, Husserl. If you leave Islam and decide to come back, what would become of you? In that language, your whole default identity was your religious affiliation. So if you change your identity, it was equal to changing your nationality in today's world. Right? So there, a common view was it would be apostasy, therefore execution, if you do not decide to come back. If you decide to come back, you know, and then keep leaving, coming back, inshallah, we'll judge you. Now, in today's realm, your dominant identity is your nation-state identity. So, so laws of apostasy wouldn't really work. And that's probably a good thing. In Islam, does the higher angels include any other angels by uh, Jibril, Jibril, Mikhail, uh, Malik, who is, uh, who is running hell, Israfil, uh, 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 angel of death, a couple others. And in Christianity, there are other archangels like Uriel and Raphael. Um, I'm familiar with those. Uh, why is there so much nationalism? I'm having a hard time to reconcile with the GP and BJP is doing in your home country. Bro, you're raising the United States. Your home country is India, or your home country is America. I'm sorry to tell you that. Nevertheless, uh, nationalism uh, gets traced all the way back to 1648 with the Treaty of Westphalia as part of the whole process of, of uh, empire building. And then that leads to the formation of nation states um, that really gets solidified with the establishment of the United Nations. And, but it's in the 1800s that we're, for the first time, we start hearing language like Islamic State. Zionism is rising in the 1800s for a Jewish state and such. And so that's sort of the tribalism of, of the modern era. With the rise of the market system, then who knows? 
I have a comment suggestion for the hexagon and a question about 231 related to what the beer and Abdullah have asked. Uh, need the mic, should I type? Uh, let me see if I can get the mic running. Dr. Bahan. Uh, there you are. See if this works. Oh, yes, you are unmuted by the host. Thank you. <laughs> if you go to the hexagon, can yes. you? Just the suggestion is maybe you won't agree with agree with this. Uh, I've lost the hexagon because my computer crashed. I can try oh. it again really fast if you want. No, 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 no. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I remember. Yeah. So, um, you know where you had ISIS with the philosophical theologian. Yeah. I think, you know, philosophical theology is something different from the kind of thinking through creed that people like ISIS do and might, might belong with the Sunnah only if you put Hadith and Sunnah together and they're different, you know, readings of that rather than with the philosophical theologian. Just, just, um, yeah, uh, yeah that, that makes sense. Let me, let me reflect on it some more. Yeah. But on, on, so on 231, yeah. you know, I think what Tanvir was asking, there's a, there seems to be a change in pronoun for the names. So when it says, so there the pronoun is the ha. Ah, nice. And then hum. And then arada hum. So uh -huh. it seems like what Adam was taught was something abstract. And the angels were, were shown something that was, you know, um, uh, objects or actual things. And so there's a lot of philosophical speculation that goes on as to why that pronoun changed. Mm. That maybe yes. angels don't have the capacity for abstract mm. thought mm. and human beings do. They can, yeah. Uh, so supporting uh, Tenvir, Dr. Tanvir's point, um, if it was things, it would be hunna. And so home would be uh, animate. Uh, so that, that makes sense. Okay, very, very profound point, inshallah. Well, any other questions about, about anything, anything at all? Uh, Lutfi, is there a theological argument for the necessity of a single Khilafah or that just a convention assumed by many since the Rashidun Umayyads? Are there any obligations of Khilafah that require a single global entity? And are the obligations of Khalifa supposed to fulfill in, in, uh, uh, essentially interchangeable with the category of Farth Kifaya? Okay, good question. So the legalistic argument is that you should have one Khalifa. And, and so this gets into, you know, uh, uh, philosophy and theology and law of government. But the legal argument is you cannot have two. Okay. And then some of these counsel for kings type books will argue that you even have to fight against the second claimant. And so this is way, way, way outside of the realm of, of most of our lives. But that's a point that is raised. Uh, and then are there obligations uh, is supposed to fulfill essentially interchangeable with Farth Kifaya? So... So the ones that often come up, uh, where do you find scholars seem to be in agreement if you have an Islamic polity, what laws can be imposed upon the people? And the two that seem to be most commonly agreed upon is that men have to be coerced uh, uh, to praying in the masjid, which suddenly means a whole bunch of people are gonna not wanna be part of that. And zakat can be taken. Um, and then, I mean, it, not in that list of two would be the 
the implementation of crime, uh, of punishment related to crime and such, but the common are those two. Uh, and so that would be uh, a little bit different than Farth Kifaya. Uh, any other questions? Where does the higher lower council come from? Is it the source? So the source that I'm using is a, is a book that I like sitting with called Hujat Allah al Baliha by Shah Waliullah, who is then taking it from other scholars, but uh, I don't recall it at the moment uh, who his sources are. But a way to, the key point I'm making is think of angels being at different levels uh, with different, different roles and such. That's the key point to take from that. Any other questions? Do angels still take human form or did that end with the end of Revelation? Good question, that I do not know. If you go on YouTube, every once in a while you can see a video. There's a really cool video uh, of what is apparently uh, a, a fight on the street somewhere in Syria. And this guy in a white cloak walks through the crowd, picks up a body and walks away. And it's literally like a, 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 a 20 second video. And the, the question is, are these, is this an angel? You know, so that I have no answer for, but YouTube, has answers. No, I'm joking. Any other questions about anything? Anything at all? All righty. We will stop. Oh, wait. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that means you're asking, you're telling me you have questions or you're just saying yes because you like YouTube. Okay. Otherwise, unless speak now further, forever hold your peace, uh, we will stop here. And our story, oh, can we even know, can we know if we've even seen an angel? That's a good question. I do not know that I've ever seen an angel except, well, fingers, anyway, anyway so, so the point being that uh, uh, a little's best. I know there's many people in history who believe that they have seen an angel. I don't even know how you would test it. Uh, uh, I mean, there's the test that Khadija, Umul Mu'minin gave when the Prophet, peace be upon him, comes home from the cave on the first night and she starts removing some of her clothes and she asks, is he still here? And then, they, and then the Prophet says, no, he's gone. And I'm not encouraging you to do that in case you think you have seen an angel. It might just be your father. Okay. Uh, oh, suddenly a bunch of questions. Um, can we understand the verse where the angels question Allah is implying that the jinn have had their own khilafah? Uh, possibly, yes. That's, that's an interesting question that is way beyond my, my, my realm. Uh, but I think it's an interesting suggestion. Can you repeat the answer to Stephanie Mirza's question regarding what you used to conceal? The, the basic point being that Allah Ta'ala is saying in that ayah, did I not tell you that I know what you reveal and what you conceal? So what are the angels concealing? And, and an understanding is that they felt that they should have been the Khalifa or that they're just concealing their thoughts meaning they have not articulated them uh, to Allah. What is the point of mentioning that we are Allah's Khalifa? Uh, I am not understanding that question. Um, I mean, that seems to be one of our purposes, potentially. Any other questions about anything, anything at all? Okay, impressed. I'm impressed that we have 34 students who still survived uh, all this time. Uh, I'm still working on your tests, uh, and so that will be forthcoming, inshallah, to tell that to the angels. Oh, why is Allah Ta'ala telling them this? Because it is Allah's will. The answer to the why question is almost always it's Allah's will, and thus we submit to it, uh, which is either going to be a satisfying answer or the most unsatisfying answer. 
why did Allah create us? Why did he give us this task? Why is he sending us to heaven or hell? That was his will, and we surrender. Okay, we will stop here. Um, an answer to some Sufi schools is that he was a jewel wanting to be, a jewel wanting to be revealed. Oh, more question. Can the test be a group test? <laughs> let me, let me, let me uh, consider that, inshallah. All right. Uh, question about I-29. Yes, Sadia. Oh, wait. Might be easier to unmute you. Give me a moment to find where you are. Will there be a study guide? Uh, it'll be open book and open notes. And other Salia, yes. What does Allah say? First built the earth. Why does Allah say that He first built the earth and then the sky? That is your your guess is as good as mine. We might read that chronologically. Uh, it might be read metaphorically that we start with the concrete and then we get into the things that are less concrete. Allah knows best. Yeah. All right, then we will stop right here, inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Wa akhirat da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. May Allah tell reward you all. If you want the listing of the previous recordings, stick around and I will post them right now. They will obviously not have today's recording because that is still literally happening. Let me quickly try to post for you the previous uh, uh, recordings. Um, it's a computer really fast, inshallah. Okay. <clears throat> oh, sorry. And then once again, as I give you all these, for those who are still here, please uh, let me know if any of the links are not working. And okay, now if I can just find how to send it to you all. Uh, where's chat box? Oh, wait, what if I stop sharing? Yes. And now, yes. Okay. And? For some reason, it's not letting me. Oh, maybe it's too long. Okay, let me try again. I'm going to first give you the first... 10 classes, and then I will give you the next 10 and I'll give you a moment to copy and paste inshallah for whoever will find them to be of benefit inshallah. I'm debating just making them unprivate uh, but I'm not sure yet at the, at the moment. So. Okay. Any other last questions about anything before we depart? Oh, we've already made the one.
everything. Uh, okay, inshallah. Uh, we will see you. Uh, and I'll put them on a Google Doc. That's actually a very, a very good idea. That's, that's a genius idea, mashallah. Okay, uh, uh, we'll see you inshallah tomorrow. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Is this?